thank you, Alan. How is everyone doing? Good. It's great to see you all. I've invited the anointed key, keys to be playing just to introduce the sermon today. Um, and the talk, as you can see, is on spiritual growth. And it was great to have Alan preach uh, a New Year message on um, being refreshed and refreshing others and kind of paved the way for something, a talk that's been inside me for a few months now, uh, so it's quite easy to put this one together. Um, but as I was focusing on Alan's words and thinking of this word, and with it being the new year, it's still fresh as everyone uh, stuck to their New Year's resolutions and their plans. Has anyone swayed a little bit or eaten the chocolate they shouldn't have? I did that last night, but I'm claiming it was the nerves for this morning, so that, that counts. But I, I'm turning 34 in a few weeks, and I think this time, I know, and this time of year, I always start to think heavy and deep and uh, make outrageous decisions and things. And uh, I, I just, 34, moving on a wee bit from the youth age, I, I created a hashtag. Does anyone have done a hashtag recently? Created a hashtag. I thought I had really come up with a beauty. I hashtagged Dream17. What is your dream for 17? And I, I was like super proud of myself all day. Dream17. I probably seen it on the back of a bus somewhere, have forgotten, and then somehow think subconsciously come up with it. Hashtag Dream17. And then I thought, well, hashtag Dream16 would have worked, and 15. What was I thinking about 17 being so special? But my dream for 17 is to see this church hit a revival. It's to see empty seats being filled. And it's to see young people come to know Jesus, but not just hear about him, but to then go on and live a life fully committed and devoted to Jesus. That's just some of my dreams to see um, growth, to see people set free, to see people um, healed and made whole, to see miracles. And the biggest one I think of all for my dream for 17 is to see a, a church and a group of people not leaning on our own strength and trying to make things work our way, but being completely committed and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That is my dream for 17 to see our church broken for Jesus and to see the Spirit move. And by the way, I am a wreck this weekend. I think the Holy Spirit is just blasting me. So if I just fall down and start crying, just go with it and just cheer or something, whatever. Just keep. <laughs> but my talk is kind of centered around using the illustration of trees. And uh, I started listening to sermons and podcasts and just get some inspiration and. Um, things like that and every time I put something on it was just right down the line of the message that God had put on my heart for this morning and then to top it off last week I went to the prayer meeting that David Leith holds on us Sunday morning is David with us today there he's there David and Helen super job and I'm going to put myself on the spot here um, but for all these dreams to come to reality 
and to be fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit, it will take people to pray earnestly, to pray with everything they've got, to give their full hearts in prayer. And I don't mean to be critical here, but there was like five people at the prayer meeting. And last year, I went to one or two, so I'm really hanging out in my dirty washing for you all to see here. But I've always had an excuse, like I was out Friday night of the youth, I was at Tuesday Youth Band, I was at Life Group, whatever, I was, I was busy here, busy there. But I kind of felt God saying excuses don't answer prayers. Prayer sees prayers answered. So if we want to see our church and our city and our young people really taste revival and see something powerful to see our hashtag Dream17s answered, it would take all of us to join together in prayer. So I want to encourage everyone. I think we should give Dave and Helen a round of applause for the commitment. But if I could just... So I have to be at the next one and the next one and the next one, but that's my dream for 17. So who's up for a journey in 17? Come on. And spiritual growth, there's growth in this young man. He's the last least brother to come through synergy. But maybe Pam and Colin, it's not too late. Would you accept from synergy a long weekend in Paris? to create another one of these guys, honestly. These guys are tremendous. Thank you so much, Alistair, for the keys. He's going to come back up shortly. Let's put our hands together for the top man. Superb. The anointed keys. Superb. Good morning. Then let's move on. I'm going to try multitask with a pointer. Slides and a microphone. It's got disaster written all over it. <laughs> so... Spiritual growth. Who wants to grow this year? In their faith? Come on, who wants to go? I certainly do. So, I'm going to go for it this morning. Luke 9. Hold on a minute. That's, it's falling short already. <laughs> What's going on? I'll let you guys control it from the back. Luke 9, 23 to 26. Then he said to them all, this is Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? So, spiritual growth, there we go, did I do that or did you guys do that? Spiritual growth um, requires, it's just a, it's like a one-point sermon. It's like dying to self. Spiritual growth, what do I need to do to grow spiritually? We've got to die to ourself. This thing's super high today. I've shrunk. So <laughs> it means to take up our cross. Uh, take up our cross and uh, carry it to the place of crucifixion, which back in the, the days of um, these writings that many Galileans were killed that way and when Jesus shared um, this he knew himself that he would face the same death um, so being a disciple means putting aside our selfish desires and shouldering our cross every day from the moment we wake up till the sun goes down 
Um, it seems so simple, and I guess it is, but at the same time, it's so demanding. And the, for the 12 disciples that Jesus called, um, it, it literally meant to carry their cross, meant to suffer, and each one of them would probably die as well for that. So what does it mean for believers today to carry our cross, to die to ourselves? It means understanding that we belong to him and that we live to serve his purpose and not our own agenda. And a little question for you guys, for all of us, is do we see our relationship with God for what's in it for me or what can I do for him in spiritual growth? Are we willing to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him? Because anything else, anything less is not discipleship and it's just lip service. Disciples of Jesus uh, were not um, to use our lives to please ourselves, although that is, that is human nature to look out after number one, but to serve God and to serve others and to serve our community and to serve the broken and the lost. Um, and Jesus used trees often to explain spiritual health, uh, spiritual growth, etc., in an individual. And he says in Luke 6, will I try? No. <laughs> 6, 43 to 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And Jesus uses this to show that our speech and our actions reveal our true intentions, our underlying beliefs, our attitudes and our motivations. Um, we may try to make good impressions, but they won't last if we're being deceptive. Um, what we'll, what's in our heart will come out in our speech and our behavior. So how do we grow and produce good fruit? I'm going to sound like a scientist or a sort of garden person here or whatever. What's that word? Who knows? Anyway. Trees, this is from the internet, so you have to trust it. Trees use a process called transpiration to obtain water from the ground, through the roots, up the trunk, branches, and into the leaves. Then water evaporates from the small holes into the tree's leaves. So there you see the roots, they draw in the water, and it slowly moves up through the trunk, branches, leaves, and then it lets out. And I think it's a great illustration of a, a, a fruitful Christian, somebody who's drawn in the, the right things, the, the, the good food, the good nutrients, uh, drawn it in, letting it rise up through us and what comes out. What a fascinating um, illustration there. And Jesus uses that. And a few questions that I would like to ask is where have we allowed our roots to go and are we planted in good healthy soil 
and do we feed off the right sources? And uh, trees like us, the, uh, trees need light, water, and min- minerals, just like our spiritual life. Uh, John 8, 12. I never started my timer, sorry guys. Yeah, well. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So to grow daily, we need Jesus to seek him first, to surrender to him, to pick up our cross daily and die to ourselves and selfish intentions. Um, John 8, 12. And in the living water, a tree needs water. Jesus uses the example of fruit grown healthy in a tree. We need these things. So John 4, 14. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the word, our food, I am the living bread. John 6, 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. That scripture goes on to say after Jesus spoke those words that many left, they turned their back and they walked away because they realized that the call to follow him was going to be too great. It maybe wasn't um, rewarding enough for them or it didn't uh, tickle their natural needs. So they turned and left and Jesus then says to the 12 disciples, do you want to go as well? He was meaning business and he still does today when he calls us forward and we get saved. It's a great, it's a great moment. I'm sure you can all remember um, when we got saved and the impact that had and how it changed our heart and how we got excited about the kingdom of God. We wanted to tell people about our faith um, and maybe not so much now, but we're going to go into that later. So the growth is crucial to the Christian. And it's God's desire and intentions for us to grow daily by carrying our cross and dying to ourselves. Um, feeding on his word. I came up with another sort of hashtag. You've got to read to feed. Does that work? Read to feed. And then I was coming up with loads and I was like just making up random ones to fit. And then I thought, well, better just leave it right there since so. Thanks. <laughs> Read to feed. So, God wants us to grow. Guess who doesn't? That's our enemy. He wants to stop this growing process um, that God is spurring us along, cheering us along. He's our greatest encourager, our greatest supporter. Every day he wants us to grow. He wants us to be stretched. He does it through trials. Who likes going through trials? Nobody. But it produces the fruit that God can use in our lives. But the enemy wants to do everything in his power to stop you and I from growing from advancing God's kingdom and from bringing, for bringing glory to him. Now, I didn't know this till recently, but did you know that any tree can be used to become a bonsai tree? I thought a bonsai tree was just a thing. It was just something that grew and it was, yeah, that's, that's the bonsai family. But in actual fact, 
bonsai trees, let me read this, this is on it. Bonsai trees can be created from nearly any perennial woody stemmed tree or shrub species that produces true branches and can be cultivated to remain small through pot confinement with crown and root pruning. From that point forward, its growth is restricted by the pot environment. I thought it was to use the word crown. So I googled what, what's the crown of a tree, and in actual fact, the crown is the entire bit that you see from the, the ground up, that is the crown of a tree. I never knew that. I've been so educated on this. But what a beautiful word to use, a crown. And Jesus uses trees about our, to explain our, how our spiritual life is, the fruit we produce. And then we've got an enemy who wants to basically trim our roots so that we become like the bonsai tree. Do you know the bonsai tree can actually produce fruit? I never knew that either. A bonsai tree can, can grow wee flowers and petals and fruit. Imagine the bananas <laughs> on a bonsai tree. They would be, or a coconut tree, be like wee frozen peas from a bonsai. It's fascinating. So, what happens as the tree is allowed to grow to a certain point and then the gardener or whatever comes along and will trim the roots and tamper with them and keep doing this for us process and then put it in a pot and let it stay there and from that point on that tree has become a bonsai tree and will never grow again and what I've, I, I was just blown away reading all this stuff and hearing all this stuff that has our faith sometimes have we let ourselves become like the bonsai tree? See, we're intended to be, let's use the illustration of an oak tree where we grow big, strong, mighty um, through the Word of God, through our faith, learning um, as we go. And then we've got this example of a bonsai tree that's been tampered with. It's had its roots messed about with and its growth is restricted. The bonsai tree still lives though. It's still produces fruit, but what is it producing in comparison to what God's created us as individuals to produce if we've allowed ourselves to become like the bonsai tree. And Matthew 7, 17 says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit. And this is an ESV version, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. And I wanted to call this sermon something else, and I bottled it, and I was going to call it the disease of me. Really wanting to call it that, and I thought, oh, somebody picks up that CD, they might just not want to listen to that, or <laughs> might really offend, so the disease of me. But Jesus says the diseased tree bears bad fruit. And we have to protect ourselves as Christians from that disease, the disease of me, the disease of me um, can, can just grow subtly in the life of a Christian. It can be, it can produce fruit such as bitterness, anger, jealousy, selfishness, and pride. It has a critical and judgmental spirit. The disease of me 
People like to listen to gossip. And they like to speak gossip as well. And it can affect every one of us if we're not careful. If we don't feed off the right source, and if we let our roots grow in the wrong soil, we can become susceptible to the disease of me and the bonsai tree. The, going back to when we were saved, we, were, we, we, took in the, we understood the grace of God, the, the, the love and the, 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 the repentance that every morning, certainly for myself, I was like, I cannot believe I've lived how I've lived, I've done what I've done. And I think probably all go through that process, but we have to be careful because soon we can make all this about us and it's not about God and it's not about submitting to His will and doing what He wants us to do. We make all this about us. We make worship about us. It's about the songs I want to hear and the songs that I like to listen to and the volume that I like to listen to. When we make... The person affected by the disease of me doesn't want to be challenged. They don't want to be changed. They don't want to be, they don't want to grow. They're happy to be a bonsai tree in an environment where they're still living. They still worship. They still pray. They still read their Bibles. But there's no growth because the disease of me has affected who they are. Each one of us is told, told to submit Die to ourselves means that there can be no disease of me in our lives. And I've got another one for you. Denial is not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> Have we been affected by this? Has our heart become hard? Over the years, have we lost our passion and our hunger and our zeal for Jesus? The disease of me, our prayer life is all about me. We just want to be, we want to receive all these blessings and this from God and that from God and give nothing out whatsoever. The disease of me, denial. Are we in denial of the disease of me? And to help with this, I, I went to the barbers, which I hate doing, but I'm such a bad planner sometimes and I forget to make appointments, so I go to the barbers. I don't have OCD until I go to the barbers. And I love it. I would much prefer to be able to make an appointment and to go in and, and know that at 10 past 6, I'm getting my hair cut. And so, but the barbers works a lot differently. It's like a big uh, seat, um, and there's, there's no structure, there's no, there's, there's no end of the queue, and there's no beginning of the queue. So people just come in and sit randomly, and you're trying to keep tabs on all these people. When does it matter? So the first thing you do is you walk in, and you, you do this to everyone, but what you're really doing is you're counting them. Okay, one, two, three, four, two kids, potentially six. Okay, so I'm, I'm seventh in line. And you wait. <laughs> and as soon as a seat becomes free, everyone just looks at each other really awkwardly. Even when you know it's you that's next, you still do this like, oh, oh is it me? I'm sure. <laughs> and so, 
I went in one Thursday night just before Christmas, and there was three or four people in front of me. Hayden, Hayden, Hayden. And there was a couple there with like an 18-month-old girl. She was like dressed like she was going to the Antarctic. It was cold outside, roasting inside. They probably just think we're just nipping in, get a haircut, come out. There's no point in change, stripping the kid down, and you know what it's like. And so, but they had, they were the, they seemed like the nicest people. And um, the guy, when he was doing his, he just had this flow from him that was just really nice to watch. And there was another young guy sitting next to me, 20 or so, and uh, his mate came in, and they started chatting. And to begin with, it was really enjoyable just listening to them. Uh, How's life? Oh, I'm out of work just now. But don't keep your chin up, something will come along. They were really building each other up and encouraging one another. And this guy who came in and was last in line, behind me, started changing the tone a little bit. He started speaking about how awesome he was, how the girls just fall at his feet, how fit he is, how he gets his hair cut three times a week normally. That's like 30 quid to look good, it's unreal. He, um, he started swearing in front of the kids and, and just, you know, that's there's, that's just uh, how people are, I guess, when they're not Christians. You've probably seen no harm in that. Anyway, next in line for the haircut was the guy who was sitting battling to get his kid just to stay quiet and keep them entertained. So he's next. Now, this guy's last behind me. <laughs> and then when everyone did that awkward stare, like, who's next, who's next? Well, I'll just go. And he just got up, marched, and sat in my seat. I am not kidding you. I always... I'm not one for confrontation. If my dinner gets served cold, I eat it cold. <laughs> I met in a restaurant, actually, I did. That <laughs> 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 didn't come out right at all. I mean, I mean, when I go out for my dinner, <laughs> if I go out for my dinner and it's served cold, I just eat it cold. I don't make a fuss. If my seat gets put next to the door that's getting opened and closed, Zara, I just sit, it's fine. We'll not be here that long, let's just eat our dinner. So. I don't want you to get the impression that I would stand up and make a fuss, but when this guy cut the queue, oh my goodness, my Christian values were being tested right to the limit. Well, this guy got his hair cut and continued to boast and brag about how awesome he was to the guy cutting his hair, who was probably very grateful that he was from Turkey and probably didn't have a clue what he was saying. And then he did this thing... <laughs> He got up when he had his hair cut. Now, there's mirrors everywhere in this, the, the barbers for seats facing. And he got up and he did this kind of... Any different in this mirror? No, I still look awesome. 
pays his bill and walks out the door. I'm boiling at this point. That was not your space. And then you just got up and rubbed up in all our faces that you got your hair cut first. But I don't think that it was so much about me as a Christian being challenged. I think God was trying to communicate and say, is that what the Christian is becoming through the disease of me? Where we do not put people's needs first, like the guy with the kid, this guy just, he's no interest, it's all about me. And it's about looking good and not actually submitting to God's will. It's about, uh, we want to look good, we want to serve in, the, in the, all the good bits, but we don't want to submit to the will of God. We don't want to do what Jesus really is asking for us to do. And this guy painted a picture to me that we've got to be careful as Christians that if the disease of me affects us, is that what it looks like to the world? Is that how we look? Is that how we come across? How we lost the 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 our, the love? Do we see through the eyes of Jesus where somebody's needs first? Oh, sorry, mate, you've got a young kid there. Maybe you should go first. And I think God really struck me with this personally as well. But maybe as a as a as a as a church, I don't mean this church. I just mean in general. How is it all about image? Is it all about looking good? Is it all about me? And Jesus says, die to ourself. Not becoming bonsai trees and plant pots. I wonder how many seats sit empty in churches today because people have allowed themselves through the disease of me to become confined to a plant pot. They've got up, they've got offended. Somebody said something, somebody's challenged them. The pastors preach the word. The Bible said something they don't agree with. They pick up their little pot and they run away with their wee bananas. <laughs> and they go to another church because they've been offended. Because they've not truly died to themselves and they've not truly become a disciple of Jesus. And it's all about the disease of me. So many people go, I was thinking like the tree of knowledge and so many people as well with the, the disease of me, they become the experts, I call them the pundits, you know the Sky Sports or the BBC match of the day, football pundits where they analyse the game and it, it's great, I love it, it's the best bit, look at this guy's movement there, look at that ball, look at the, the off the ball movement there, that opened the space, he played the ball, he scored pundits and there's so many of them in today's church who suffer from the disease of me where they are the best, the business, they know the word, they know this, they know that, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. It's uh, the, the pundit mentality where they've got it all up here but there's nothing in here. The disease of me, how many people have I seen in my short years of being a Christian, affected by that. People who will not die to themselves and submit themselves to who Jesus is really calling them to be. And what fascinates me is the New Testament is filled with Jesus going against what the, 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 the laws and the, the scriptures would say. You can't do this on the Sabbath and that on the Sabbath, but Jesus will, people's needs first. And so every time we go to perform a miracle, all the 
Pharisees and the little plant pots would run along and start challenging them. And it's in our Bibles and we read it, but so many Christians today have developed this Pharisee spirit where they think that they can criticize and analyze and that they're right and nobody can tell them any differently. But are their hearts broken for Jesus and her, the, his things? The Bible also says that they, without love, are like a clanging off a cymbal. I did that one time. I played the cymbal and somebody says, try to listen to that on the CD. It was like, wow, so I'm not doing it today. But the clanging off a cymbal, the people who, it's all up here, but not in here. The disease of me starts from the roots. Where have you planted yourselves? Who are you listening to? Who are you letting affect you? It grows slowly, just like the tree. Slowly and slowly, slowly. And it has an outlet. And you will see, as Jesus says, through the words and the actions of people, the fruit where they are really coming from. Such a great um, warning to each one of us. The fruit that we should produce is in Galatians 5, verse 22 to 26. The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us, become, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I stay in Kearney Hill, and as I come down my stairs, we have patio doors to the right and a field at the back. It's great having a field at the back of you. And uh, at home, I think I deserve the right to wear or not wear what I like. When I'm at home, if I get up in the morning and I want to go and get a coffee in my boxer shorts, I should have the right in my own home to go and do that. But the field at the back is higher than our uh, floor level, if you like. So dog walkers can see right inside my house. And often they do. And as I come down the stairs, there's just this awkward stare. Now, it's awkward for me because, like, I've made eye contact. But it should be a lot more awkward for them because they're staring in my windows, walking their dogs. And so I went on and on, and I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a tree. I'm going to put an end to this. I'm going to put a tree there and uh, deal with this once and for all. So I, like every good man does, takes his family up to the garden center. <laughs> and I thought, went through all the trees, reading all the labels. And I think, oh, do you know what, I like this tree. So I bought the tree and we were walking back home and somebody even stopped and admired my tree. It's a lovely tree you've got. Money well spent. You bet, buddy. Wait till you see its purpose. I have a great need for this tree. So I planted it right away with great excitement, positioning it right in line with the patio doors. And uh, compost, water, all the rest of it. 
go up the next day. Can't wait to see this tree grown. Can't wait for it to serve its purpose. Could you put that picture up, please, Robert, of the tree? Uh, the back one, please. I really should have moved Zara's slide before I took that picture. Behind the slide is a tree. And that tree is the same size now as it was two years ago. Every April or so it lets off a few pink leaves, blossoms, whatever. And then the rest of the year it just does absolutely nothing. It serves no purpose. The birds don't even sit on it. The irises next to it actually grow taller in August than my tree actually grows. should do something about the paint on that fence as well. But if you could go to the next slide, please, Robert. The intentions I had were that the tree did that. It served that very purpose. It became that size and it went above the fence and it stopped people from being able to look in my garden. Could you put the next slide up, please, Robert, and we'll compare these two trees. Now, you'll just have to go with the slide because the tree's not even visible. The slide's bigger than my tree. 15 quid and so much expectation. And that's what I got. But last year, I'm being, have to be, have a moment of honesty here because I lost a bit of my hunger for Jesus. Not in the sense that I was walking away from my faith, but I got caught up in the busyness of life. And I had started listening to certain people and watching certain videos and reading certain things that were actually starting to tamper with the roots of my faith everything I believed in and I've just always seen it like love Jesus and be filled with his Holy Spirit and just go with the flow in life. Yes, we need to read and yes, we need to study and yes, prayer is essential in spiritual warfare but being filled with his Spirit and seeking him first. When I started my faith journey, that's that's who I was, that's I was so hungry, I couldn't get enough. I used to travel to a church in Glasgow two, three times a week in my wee white Renault Clio van. And it was so noisy, I couldn't even hear the one song, How Great Is Our God, that I used to just play over and over because it's the only song I knew as a Christian. I had such a hunger and a fire inside me. And over the years of being a Christian, I, I, I started to lose it a little bit. And I started to... Um, listen to people and it was all head knowledge it was all about people me, me and me and without realising it's a very slow process very subtle process that I actually began to stop reading so much of the Bible but so subtle that I wasn't aware of it and my prayer life subtly began to fade away and spiritual warfare was a th- nothing that I would instinctively take up. 
praying in the spirit. I used to love praying in the spirit. I used to sing in the spirit in my van and with the worship. It all subtly faded away. And I sat at my dinner table one Friday night. Zara had just left to go to youth and I looked at the two trees. And God asked me there, which one represents your faith right now? The responsibility of being a youth leader, being a role model, trying to be a light in the darkness, in the working environment. And I really had allowed myself to become like that little tree. I'd stopped growing. I wasn't producing fruit. And I would like to ask, could we kill the lights a little bit? I'd like to ask this morning, which tree would represent you as a Christian in your faith right now? Have you unintentionally stopped growing? Has the busyness of life, financial pressure and stress, family conflict, pain, hurt, taken us from growing to becoming more like the bonsai tree where we still have an existence, we still attend, we're still there, but what's really coming from us? And I believe more than ever that the Holy Spirit wants to touch the lives of each one of us this morning that if we want to dream for 17 it has to start with total submission to Jesus it has to be surrendering to Him if some of the things that have been spoken about this morning have affected you or you can relate to maybe it's time to step away from denial and cry out once again for a touch and a filling up of the Holy Spirit. Maybe a moment to repent for becoming lukewarm, for losing your zeal. Maybe it's a chance for you to come to Jesus. The scripture went on to say, the first scripture, that the branches will that don't produce will be cut off and thrown into the fire. I'm not going to start preaching hell right now. But what I want to focus on is Jesus using the illustration of a tree, allowed himself to be nailed to a tree out of love. I'm sure he could have stopped it if he wished. But his heart for us to be saved and to grow and to produce is like something we could probably never put into words. Why don't we stand up? I'm going to put Zara on the spot as she would lead us in a prayer and the guys will lead us in worship. But I encourage you guys to take this moment. Which tree will be represent you in 2017? And is the disease of me being the root and the reason that we haven't maybe been grown the rate that we could off? Sarah, if you could just lead us in our prayer and the band could finish as well. Thank you.
Lord Jesus, we just invite your Holy Spirit right now just across this whole room. Holy Spirit, just come and touch our hearts. Just encourage us right now just to take this moment and just to meditate on the things that have, have been said. Let's just open up our hearts right now and say, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. I wait on, wait on you this morning. Come and speak to me right now, God. Come and speak to my heart. Lord, show me where I've lost faith. Show me what direction I need to go. What, what things do I need to move away from this morning? What decisions do I need to make? What things are hindering my faith? What things are choking me? What things are grasping hold of my life right now that I need to let go? And I believe right now that the Holy Spirit is showing some of you, some stuff that you need to let go of this morning, some things that you need to walk away from, surrender into Jesus. Lord God, Holy Spirit, come right now. Letting go of all that's holding us back, letting go, letting go, surrendering to you our everything this morning, God. Surrendering everything to you, Jesus. That our roots, God, would go so deep this morning, so deep. Just taking in all of that goodness, taking in all of those nutrients, God, taking them all in. Lord God, that we no longer let the enemy hold us back, his lies, his discouragement, the things that he's tripping us up with. We say no longer, Satan, you will trip us up. We say no to your lies. We say no to the fear and the insecurities and the doubts, the fear of stepping out, the fear of being different, the fear of making changes in our lives. What if this happens? What if that person doesn't like me? What if, what if, God, we reach out to you this morning in faith and say, Lord, have your way. Let's just reach up our hands right now, church, just before we sing this song, reach out to him this morning and say, Jesus, a hunger for a touch of you this morning. I don't want to leave this place untouched. Come, Holy Spirit, and impact my heart this morning. Go deeper within those roots, Lord Jesus. Go deeper and reach out to you. God is saying, are you hungry for more of me this morning? Are you hungry? Are you longing? for me. I'm here. I'm here for you. Just reach out. Reach out to me. I love you. I love you. Receive those words. Receive those words. If you're feeling downhearted this morning because you feel like your, your prayer life's dried up and your time studying the Word of God's dried up, well, God says, I love you and I'm here to pick you back up where you've fallen down, where you've tripped up. I'm here to lift you up. Lift your, high, your eyes up into the heavens. Lift up your spirit. Lift it up right now onto Jesus. Onto Jesus. He looks onto you with loving eyes, with a heart of compassion, saying, I'm here. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you on this journey. You're not alone. You are not alone. I am here with you. And I'm going to strengthen you. 
and I'm going to raise this. I believe that God is going to raise up in this church an army, an army to fight against the darkness, to fight against the struggles. We need an army in this church. And God is saying, are you ready, church? Are you ready to rise up this morning and take hold of what I've got for you? To take hold. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's just sing this song, guys. And let's sing with all of our might. Surrender on everything. Reaching out to Him. Thank you, Lord God. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord God. You give life. Every heart there 